welcome back to another episode of the Supermercado Brothers Video Game Music Podcast. Thanks so much for joining us, everybody. Once again, this is the podcast where we share and discuss the very best in video game music. My name is Carl Brueggemann. And I'm his brother, Will Brueggemann. Today on the podcast, uh, we're taking a look at indie games. This is a pretty exciting episode because uh, this is the first of hopefully many uh, Patreon episodes. This uh, episode, we didn't choose the topic. This was suggested. Absolutely. Well, this is really exciting. As some of you may know, we have a Patreon, which is a site that people can go to. And if they so choose, they can support us in whatever tier they want. And one of the tiers that we have, uh, one of the rewards is that you get to choose an episode topic that we have to do. Now, people typically give us a few options then we get to pick from them. And today's the first episode. It's really exciting that we're doing based on one of those suggestions. So today, uh, this was one of Craig's suggestions, and he gave us a couple options. We went with indie games, and actually, it's funny, Claire, uh, another one of our patrons, also suggested indie games, but we're giving her a different episode that we'll do early uh, next season because, you know, that's only fair to her. But yeah, so two people suggested us to do this episode. So this is all independent video games. So I know a lot of you can't wait to hear some of this stuff. Yeah, I'm really excited about today's episode. Uh, I think there's going to be a lot of soundtracks that, you know, we've been familiar with and have enjoyed for the last couple of years, but mm-hmm. maybe haven't had as much opportunity to showcase on the podcast. I'm really excited about it. I think it should be a lot of fun. It's going to be a blast. So every single track on today's playlist is from an indie game. And actually what's so cool is also every single track is by a Western composer for the most part. I don't think there's anyone on here that's not a Western composer. So that's also, you know, another way to think about this episode but what you guys heard playing in that was the game terraria and that is a sandbox 2d game which came out in 2011 for the pc and i think probably for some other platforms as well that was composed by scott lloyd shelley and that was overworld day from terraria so we're going to start things off with a really popular soundtrack by disaster piece very talented composer that i've been a fan of for years this is the game fez and we're going to take a listen to adventure by disaster piece You guys are listening to Adventure from the indie game Fez by Disasterpiece. Now, this game came out in 2012, and it was developed by um, Polytron Corporation. In Disasterpiece, uh, his real name is Richard Vreeland. Uh, some of you, I know a lot of you are probably familiar with Disasterpiece. He's really popular. In this soundtrack, this might be one of the most popular things he's done. 
Um, I was reading some really fun comments on his Bandcamp page of this album, and there was one person who said, this is the reason I went on Bandcamp. It's the reason I got an account on Bandcamp was this album. So I know this album is very important to a lot of people. Will, what are your thoughts on this? I know we've played a couple of Disaster Piece tracks. It definitely feels like his, his signature style, doesn't it? Yeah, I'll say so. I mean, I think one of my favorite things about Disaster Piece uh, is that he seems very versatile that to me honestly it's hard to pinpoint a specific style because um i'll just always hear something and then it's like wow this sounds completely new i mean Mm -hmm. what was that one game we were listening to where he was doing like a disco kind of thing like it was just completely well he he there was one soundtrack we were listening to i can't remember for the life of me right now but it was like a blues do you remember it was like a really kind of raw blues yeah again it's like just so incredibly versatile and i really respect composers like that people that sort of put their work ahead of their own ego and in this case sort of just only focusing on matching the tone of the game and really trying to service the experience. Well this song reminds me more of his kind of classic style because when I think of his chiptune music what he does he's so good at creating this bed almost like this symphony of chip sounds like I don't really know how many tracks there are right now but it sounds to me like there's at least like 12 to like 16 different tracks that are weaving in and panning out and there's is I don't know it just really creates a lushness of sound that's perfect for background music you know this is a puzzle game kind of a puzzle platformer game and you know music is has such a big role in those games to kind of keep you in the right state of mind and the right attitude sure. so that's well yeah I think it matches the tone because the game is is sort of quasi retro like it's yeah. obviously paying homage to a lot of games today are older games but uh, with Fez there's also this kind of really artistic thing with perspective and flipping the screen it's a little bit more intellectual you know it's not something like Shovel Knight where it's trying to make like this could have been on the NES exactly you know it's trying to do something a little bit more it's evoking something familiar but it's this new kind of artistic experience and I think his music is perfect for that well now we're going to move on to one of the biggest games on today's playlist a game that made a lot of waves and Will and myself, I remember we bought this game as soon as it came out, uh, pretty close to when it came out, I think, had a wonderful time with it. One of the oldest games on today's playlist, all the way back from 2010, this is Super Meat Boy, composed by the wonderful Danny Baranowski. We're going to play a couple tracks from this soundtrack today, because we really thought it warranted one of the heavy hitters, for sure, as far as indie games go, and indie game soundtracks. So let's take a listen to Dr. Fetus's Castle from Super Meat Boy.
You guys are listening to Dr. Fetus's Castle from Super Meat Boy, uh, composed by Danny Baranowski. Really, really fun. I'm a really big fan of Danny's style. It was tailor-made for this game. This game is crazy. It has a very interesting level of energy to it. Um, I don't know. I really think the music fits it really well. It's one of those just kind of games you have to really play to really understand. Like you can watch it, and it, it looks crazy. But when you Something about actually picking up and playing it, there's just something about this game that you can't quite put your finger on. You could classify it as a trial-by-death kind of game. It, yeah, it's one of the few games that it's like you, you're going to die. You're going to die a lot. That's and the whole point. You die all the time until you like memorize the That's the, the only level. way to learn how to get through the level. So it really, completing the game, it's, it's almost more just about mastering every single aspect. Like, there's really only one proper way to get through it and so it's just figuring out that exact combination. It, it's really satisfying, but it's probably one of the most frustrating <laughs> games also. I think so. Really, it's like the closest thing to Edge of Tomorrow in a video game. You just keep dying over and over again. You know, that's so true. Um, yeah, I, I, it's funny. I was spoiler thinking, alert. They should end that movie showing all of the various Tom Cruises just running around and getting killed. That wasn't killed. a spoiler, was it, Will? People know that about that movie, that he dies a lot, right? I think most people don't even know what that movie oh, is, unfortunately. Yeah. One thing, a little, a little bit of a shout-out in, in pretty much almost, I think, everything he suggested here, except for one we're going to get to today. So some of the things that Craig mentioned in his suggestion, um, obviously, you know, we, we featured a lot of Shovel Knight, Shovel Knight music recently. No Shovel Knight today, just because we've done enough of it. Um, but he mentioned things like VVVVVV, which is a game that we will be playing later today. FTL, uh, Fez, Super Meat Boy, Super Hexagon, Hotline Miami. Those are the his suggestions. So we've got to pretty much all those today, except for... Indie games have weird names. They do. Yeah, that Super Hexagon we're actually saving for, I won't say what, but we're it's actually Claire's topic. We're going to save that. Um, so early next season, we'll be featuring that. But yeah, gave some spoilers on today's playlist, but we're going to keep going here. This is a game that is so good. Will's a really big fan of this game. Um, I don't have the right brain for it. I really tried to play it, and I don't think I was quite good enough at these puzzle games. This is Braid. Uh, Will, do you want to give a little bit of a setup for someone who's not familiar, maybe? Well, for the intelligent listeners out there, oh, no, I'm just kidding. Oh, come on. No, I, I love this game uh, uh, because w what I think it does brilliantly is it's... On the surface, it's sort of a puzzle platformer that uses these mechanics of time. Um, so you can sort of reverse the time and go through the level again. And as you progress Super through the creative. game, all kinds of different um, mechanics get added in to sort of subvert that. It's really fun and, and clever, but the other thing I love about it is it has this sophistication sort of beyond the simple mechanics of the game. Sure. And it, it's not really, you know, it doesn't spell it out for you, but if you care to look a little bit deeper, a lot of, you know, there's a lot of theories about what the whole game is representing and that things are meant to be a metaphor of what they really are. And so that's something that I really enjoyed about Braid because it wasn't a game that had, to me, a high barrier of entry for these kind of, you know, philosophical questions or whatever. You know, it, on the surface, it's just sort of a fun action uh, puzzle platformer kind of game, but it also has this other level of sophistication to it. And I think it's really represented in the music. It a lot is. of the music in Braid is actually um, wasn't written for the game. It was from a stock music library. I don't actually don't know if any of it was written for the game. I think the, if, if not the majority, all of the music was a licensed song that had already existed before. And this track is such a track. This is by Shira Common and this is called Lullaby Set from Braid. This is a very relaxing beautiful piece of music. Enjoy everybody. Thank you. 
You guys are listening to Lullaby Set by Shira Kamen. What a beautiful piece of music from Braid. Yeah, really one of those unique video games that is really hard to forget. You know, with the time that I spent, I probably put in maybe like three or four hours into this game. I, I won't forget the time that I spent. I wish I was better at puzzle games, but will I know you have definitely, this game really kind of stuck with you. And I think the music was an important part of, you know, establishing that emotional connection. For sure, yeah. The, the sophistication in the music really sort of set the tone that this experience was beyond just what you get on the surface. I mean, I love the instrumentation here. And we've played uh, another track from Braid before, I know, on the podcast. And I love all of the Gaelic influences. Like, I, it's really beautiful. To me, a lot of this music actually reminds me of the score to an independent film called Sweetland. Okay, yeah, um, yeah. And I, I particularly drawn to that score, and it's another funny entrance. You know, we talk about how this was a licensed thing that was you know just used in the game. Well, the score for Sweetland was used again in a more popular film, Nebraska, um, with Will Forte, uh, that sort of black and white movie um mm-hmm. and it used score from the movie sweetland and it was similar kind of piano violin you're right with this it is similar slight to this. kind of gaelic influences really beautiful melodies though this really reminds me of that well now we're going to move on to yet another puzzle platformer so many of them uh today this is more of a stealthy puzzle platformer it's called gunpoint and it was released in 2013 uh this was designed by tom francis developed by suspicious developments uh pretty popular soundtrack here very jazzy very swanky cool stuff we're gonna play a track called the five floor goodbye and it was composed by ryan ike here we go
man, this music fits so well, especially if you know what the tone of this game is or, you know, kind of what the genre of game is. It's kind of a spy game. You play as a spy named Richard Conway who has to infiltrate these buildings and use a lot of high-tech gadgets and stuff. And that music, I don't know, jazz is really the only choice for that type of a story. You know what I'm saying? Like, if you can't use jazz, it would be so hindering to try to compose in sure. any other genre. You know, it's just so swanky and mysterious. And I almost hear, like, the raindrops falling on like a cloudy day listening to this it's i I feel i just picture a raincoat uh (laughs) for some reason but this is the five floor goodbye by ryan ike well i'm really intrigued by these instrument choices a lot of these sort of digital sounding synth spacey sort of pad colors yeah everything's digital here even the trumpet yeah it's really kind of interesting It, it doesn't feel like um necessarily like a stock sort of sound you know carl you mentioned having jazz music for spy kind of games um but this this doesn't just feel like a cliche i mean i think at first that's what i was expecting you know when you hear the vibraphone and the muted trumpet i thought it was going to get some kind of like film noir-y sort of thing but i really wasn't expecting all those synth kind of elements to it. I think it, mm-hmm. it gave it its own style, and um, it was something a little bit unique that I enjoyed about this track. Sure. It's one of those things, it's so fun about doing an indie games episode, is I think you get some composers that aren't necessarily as established, so... Th- the positive side of that is that they might be willing to take risks or do things in sort of an unconventional way. Absolutely. Well, now we're going to move on to a game that came out fairly recently. This just came out in September of this year. This is Undertale. I've already heard a lot of good things from, really from, I think, a few of our listeners that have been really vocal about this game and soundtrack. It's got to just really be one of those unforgettable experiences that sticks with you. Uh, This is Undertale, and it was composed by Toby Fox, who also designed the game. One of those wonderful kind of one-man show operations here. And basically this game, you control a child, and you kind of have to navigate this fictional underground, uh, you know, kind of underground on on Earth. So that's why it's called Undertale. And the soundtrack is very long, very dense. Some of it's chiptune, and some of it is real instruments, and it kind of goes back and forth. I'm really curious to hear more Uh, I'm sure some of you will probably leave comments on this episode, uh, giving us maybe a little more insight into the difference between, you know, when he's using chip music and when he's using, for example, acoustic guitar. Really curious about that. To me, this feels like right up my alley. Like, I want this to be the future of music, of combining chip music with acoustic instruments. Uh, So this track is just chip. It's called Heartache. It's really beautiful from Undertale by Toby Fox.
You guys are listening to Heartache from Undertale. Really interesting piece of music by Toby Fox. Will, what are your thoughts on this? I know you have a lot of experience working with, you know, for example, NES chip music. Um, he's using a bunch of different instruments here, but they're all fairly chip oriented. What are your thoughts on this track? I've thoroughly enjoyed it. I mean, I think I said before we listened to it that this is sort of right up my alley. Um, it, it, it really does feel like that. It, it's kind of uh, what I really almost strive to do with some NES music mm-hmm. is kind of bring it outside of just sounding nostalgic or just sounding, yeah. you know, like chip and kind of using it to sound more acoustic and to sit alongside real instruments. I mean, the, the whole point of us doing that show, Fireflower, one of the real goals of it was to have this um, 8-bit underscore mm-hmm. going alongside with live human performance, human singing, yeah. and to sort of not have any kind of jarring disconnect between those two elements and to really make, to really use those tools, those instruments and make it just as expressive as, uh, you know, a real instrument. Definitely what what we're hearing here with the soundtrack. So cool. Well, actually, we're going to come back to this. Uh, we're going to play one more track later from Undertale. <laughs> you acted like you just decided that, like we don't have these <laughs> planned out. You know what? This Let's is do good. Another. We'll listen to another no, one. It's very <laughs> planned out. Every Actually, every word we say has been thoroughly scripted and a lot of rewrites. So we're happy to present you with the script of the... No, I'm just kidding. Uh, now we're going to move on to Jake Kaufman. Inescapable, really on this episode to, to, to have Jake's music. It's going to be all over the place, and it is. Uh, we're going to play a track from probably a soundtrack that some of you might not actually know, though, from him. Pretty recent game, very small scale. This is Adventures of Pip, and we're going to play the title theme. This is a really wonderful orchestral soundtrack by Jake Kaufman. Wonderfully sequenced stuff here. Very light and bubbly. Uh, different from you know what we usually hear from Jake, but it definitely has his level of quality in the music. So let's take a listen to the title theme from Adventures of Pip. Oh, good. Wow. Uh, this is the title theme from Adventures of Pip 
a game that came out in uh, June of 2015 by Jake Kaufman. Will, what do you think about this track? How does it, because uh, when we first heard it, I think we were all pleasantly surprised by the fact that he did this type of a soundtrack, but I was surprised with how much he's able to nail what I like about kind of melodic 80s film score. What do you think? Yeah, I think so. I think a lot of those elements are in place here. I think one of the things that jumped out at me was the use of piano with orchestra and just kind of how mm-hmm. it's blended in the overall mix feels very kind of uh manhandled i guess i i think uh there there's a couple different schools for um recording orchestra music one of them is just sort of don't touch anything and try to capture the natural the live performance uh, yeah the the volumes and the dynamics of, of the way that those instruments would sort of disperse acoustically and then the other one is to kind of mic everything individually in uh, monkey with it um, and I, to me like whenever I hear piano uh, in an orchestra piece and it has this kind of loud present focus it does kind of remind me of you know maybe some film score from the 80s or 90s where you would get a lot more of that kind of blatant use of piano and just kind of how rousing it is how uh, colorful the orchestration is uh, the use of the tubular bells at one point for having sort of a repeated texture dun, 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 dun. Mm-hmm. just kind of that whole thing doubling melody ideas occasionally with the glockenspiel you know, it's a very flourishy kind of orchestra piece and you notice Carl uh, as well as I did that uh, there was a lot of those kind of chip sounds chip tune kind of noises underneath you know I think that's kind of cool it helps to kind of marry everything together and it, it, it makes the I guess synthesized nature of these orchestral samples seem a little bit more kind of intentional I guess sure well I'm excited to move on to this next soundtrack this is Hotline Miami definitely something that we've heard countless people uh, suggest to us over the years uh, came out in 2012 I believe uh, was was the initial release date it's a 2d top-down action game I know it has a uh, pretty heavy violence in it um, one of the things it's known for is that it's inspired by the 80s. Like, I know specifically, um, I think the designer of the game was very inspired by the recent movie Drive, if any of you have seen that movie, which um, kind of has some, the, musically there's definitely some 80s, and that's kind of what you hear in the soundtrack, a particular type of an 80s influence for sure. Uh, we're going to take a listen to a track. This is Miami from Hotline Miami, composed by Jasper Byrne.
vibey stuff. You guys are moving and grooving to Miami from Hotline Miami. This was composed by Jasper Byrne. This does kind of make me feel like I want to go out on some sort of mission, some sort of secret stealthy mission of some kind. Sure. (laughs) Maybe, I don't know, maybe drive there in a dangerous way and maybe, uh, I don't know, shoot some people. I really like the groove of this track you know it it does feel so retro and i mean those those synth sounds of just how much reverb (laughs) and like space is sort of it's on the nose for that era for sure definitely has yeah and it reminds me a lot of the soundtrack to drive i wonder how much conversation was had um between the designer and the musicians there was a few composers who worked on the game i know i wonder how much conversation was like guys i I really want this type of a sound Uh, he definitely got it here i imagine that people were happy with um, how this soundtrack turned out. I mean, even if you're just talking about technically, the production of it uh, is quite good. It's very vibey. Definitely puts you in the mood. Interesting game. Seems like very kind of odd. Um, well, I think there's a rich history of video games being inspired by films. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, whether you think of something like Donkey Kong or honestly, you know, something like Punch Out, which is so inspired by Rocky and even down to the music, honestly. Well, now we're going to move on to a game that we featured, I think, one time before. This is Spelunky, and it came out, I think it first came out in 2008 for the PC, later in 2012, I think, it for some other console systems. Uh, an indie game, uh, as you would expect, you're, you're a cave explorer, you're a Spelunker, um, and we've played, I think, one track before. This is a track we've never played. It's really cool. This is Deathmatch, composed by Eric Serka. interesting track you guys are listening to deathmatch from spelunky featuring some pretty striking uh, kind of harsh tempo changes really interesting stuff that kind of makes you pay attention again i'd love love to hear some comments on how this works in the game this really makes me want to go spelunking i can't <laughs> tell you this is composed by eric circa really cool and, and actually quite different from a lot of the tracks I heard in the soundtrack. Again, we're hearing this so much today, this really cool combination of some retro chip sounds mixed with slightly newer synth sounds to create something that feels timeless, but definitely feels like a smaller scale game, which it is. Uh, it's definitely not something you're going to hear in a lot of AAA titles. And I really kind of like that there's that difference musically from, you know, the Call of Duties and things like that. It's just, I don't know, this playlist couldn't be more different from, you know, the AAA games you would hear in 2012 to 2015, you know? And I think for good reason, I can't really imagine a score like this 
in like an Assassin's Creed game, <laughs> let's say. What if there was? Um, but I mean, it does make me want to go spelunking. So that's at all least you need to say about this title. track. All right, now we're going to move on to one I'm excited to get to. Really, really cool game, cool soundtrack, Crypt of the Necro Dancer, composed by Danny Baranowski. It's a really interesting rhythm game, and we're going to play a track called Dance of the Decorus. listening to Dance of the Decorus from Crypt of the Necrodancer by Danny Baranowski. As everyone probably knows, it's it's a really interesting roguelike uh, dungeon exploration game. You know, it has this rhythmic element to it. You can actually play the game if you want with a dance pad. And I know some people are excited because you can import your own music and it has a really cool detection system. So it's, it's kind of combining two genres that I never in my wildest dreams would have thought to combine. But as soon as they are combined and you see it in action and you play it, it's like, oh my gosh, this is so natural and so fun. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I feel like this game would have been such a treat, such a joy to get to work on for Danny Baranowski because, I mean... I don't know, to work on a game where so much of the focus is really on the music and its role, like the the player is always supposed to be aware of the music. So it's such an interesting treat and very different from most video games where uh, the music isn't necessarily meant to be a primary uh, feature. Uh, that that's just something that's so cool about this game in particular, but also that you know it's not a rhythm game in the way that like Dance Dance Revolution mm-hmm. is, where it's really just kind of you're moving to the music. It's like this is still you know a game with movement and gameplay. You know, it's a roguelike. Um, wait, that's such a funny. <laughs> I think that's such a funny name for a genre. Mm-hmm. That the most creative thing they could say is like, oh, you know that game Rogue. Well, this is like that. It's roguelike. Like, imagine if we did that. We should do that. This is a Mario Kart-like Kart-like. Game. It'd be I mean, just be Kart-like. Come on, just be Just be honest about the things that we're doing. Uh, I'm excited to move on to this next game. It's FTL Faster Than Light, 
composed by Ben Prunty, and we're going to play a track called Milky Way Battle. Ben did a good job with the soundtrack because the first half of the soundtrack is all um, kind of exploration, like relaxing themes. So there's like a Milky Way exploration version, and then there's like a Milky Way battle version. In the second half, uh, the battle themes are, you know, a little bit more intense. Uh, Not too intense, though, here. Let's take a listen to Milky Way Battle. are listening to Milky Way Battle from FTL, Faster Than Light, and this soundtrack was composed by Ben Prunty. Really vibey stuff, reminiscent of the Fez track, reminiscent of really a lot of tracks we've played so far, and some tracks later too. You know, there really happens to be kind of a musical tradition that we're hearing with these indie games of late. You know, the past few years, you hear a lot of similar musical styles, and it's not different than in the NES era or the SNES era when certain tropes or certain kind of techniques were popular and successful other people started to do them i think there's this kind of underground kind of culture in indie games and with developers that i think they they draw a lot of influence and just honestly a lot of people from the remix yeah that's true from from people that are you know popular as video game remixers and they're popular maybe on the internet um, but not necessarily, you know, working on big, you know, multi-million dollar projects. Mm. So they're more accessible than, I don't know. Like That's a what com- this sounds like. Like a composer like Hans Zimmer or something. It does sound like uh, that type of a musician. Yeah, one thing that's interesting is for this episode, and, you know, maybe we'll continue this for these Patreon suggested episodes, is I really didn't go out of my way to pick music that I thought was cool. I tried to just find games that were really, really well loved and that people really wanted to hear. And I did find cool stuff, but I'm not like in love with like all of this music necessarily. Uh, we you know when we typically when we do a playlist, we try to pick the best stuff that we get really excited about. Whereas today, this is not really about that. It's more about kind of finally paying our dues to to you know a genre of video games that really is is kind of uh, overlooked for the most part on our podcast. We don't play a lot of indie, and we play a lot of retro stuff. We play a lot of obviously big name stuff, but. You know, there is so many indie games out there, and that's probably the most, you know, fastest growing segment of, of the industry right now. So it's cool to kind of pay our dues and have an episode just on this music. And there's a lot of cool stuff to be to be found here. So now we're going to move on to another Jake Kaufman track. I'm so excited to include this soundtrack today. For me, it feels like kind of a, a breath of fresh air in a way. This is Mighty Switch Force 2. It's so fun. It's oozing with character. It's impossible not to like this music. Let's take a listen to Got to Be a Star. Got to be a star. 
You guys are listening to Got to Be a Star by Jay Kaufman from Mighty Switch Force 2. And really, another goal of this episode is trying to be as diverse as we can, trying to hit all the bases. So, you know, yeah, we could play like five tracks from Mighty Switch Force because it's so good. But, you know, we're just playing one today, trying to get to as much stuff as we can. Well, let's talk a little bit about this track. I don't think we've ever played this particular one on the podcast, but it's so reminiscent of uh, other tracks in this game and in this series. What is it about Jake? He's able to nail this... For me, it's kind of this Japanese style of dance pop music um, that is just undeniable. Well, for me, it's kind of the the purity of uh, the, the the chords and the rhythms. Um, yet, it's like there, there's something a little bit denser there. It's Because when we think of like a, I don't know, American pop music, um, it has an, a completely different sort of harmonic language, oh, yeah. particularly now. Um, a little bit probably simpler. You know what, Will? That's maybe why I thought of this as a, a breath of fresh air, because it doesn't feel American. It feels Japanese. Sure. And most of the tracks I'm hearing feel kind of demo scene and like Western and stuff. Yeah, I, I think that's a good point. I mean, I think Jake Kaufman is just one of those people who happens to be gifted enough to do stuff mm-hmm. like this. But yeah, I mean, I agree with you. The production is so on the nose, but musically, I think this is just much more interesting. I mean, all those chord changes are very captivating. You know, it's it's what's great about a lot of Japanese music, where it's it's using jazz chords, but for a way that's like super accessible and poppy, mm-hmm. um, which is something that it's just there's something really undeniable about that. Very true. Well, you know, moving on from one talented composer to the next, this is uh, Transistor here, and we're going to play a track uh, composed, obviously, by Darren Korb, one of the top talents as far as indie games go uh, for musicians. He's just so wonderful. I'm really excited to see where his career takes him. Uh, he's, he's done Bastion, and then now he's done Transistor, both so good and so different, but still have kind of retained something about his musical sensibility that is very likable. This is a track called Forecast from Transistor. Transistor 
I love this track. You guys are listening to Forecast from Transistor by the wonderful Darren Corb. It's so unique. I love the the choices of instruments he uses. You know, really some surprising choices. Using an orchestral snare as a sample. You know, you have that... Like that really kind of cut off roll sound. He's using something that you would never expect to be used in an electronic music context, but he is, you know, the breakbeat, kind of the drum and bass uh, undercurrent of this track mixed with some classical influence. I think that harp riff is especially beautiful and tragic. I, just a really colorful um, and eclectic sound here that is just, I don't know, I just I have to pay attention to. Absolutely, and to me, this is like a piece where. Um, the beat is giving you so much of the drive and the energy because mm. musically it's moving in an entirely different way. It's much slower. You look at those yeah. parts, you have do, 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 just kind of eighth mm-hmm. notes, but then you have this really kind of blasting, um, really kind of active groove that <laughs> it puts everything in a different context. And I really love when a piece of music can do stuff like that, particularly when you start without the beat um, and then it almost just feels like you just like, yeah, I don't know. It's almost like you just, you, your ship takes off and the energy just completely picks up. And it's one of those great effects for a particular piece of looped music where it, it avoids uh, the familiarity and kind of getting sick of some of the sameness. Yeah. Well, that game was released last year and that was of course by super giant. So maybe in a couple years we should probably expect uh, their next entry. Can't wait for what it is. Cool. We're now going to move on to VVVVVV. And <laughs> I hope I'm pronouncing that right, guys. Please don't send me a comment saying, actually, it's just supposed to be V or something like that. I really don't know. Um, I think you, you said one too many Vs, probably. <laughs> anyway, this game by uh, the composer here is Magnus Soul Eye Palzen, uh, known as Soul's Eye. And we're going to play a track called Pushing Onwards. And like much of the music today, uh, is fairly chip heavy. So let's take a listen to Pushing Onwards.
cool. You guys are listening to Pushing Onwards from by Magnus Soul Eye. And uh, we're actually going to do something new here. This is kind of a new segment that maybe we should try to do every once in a while. We actually just got an email from someone and they kind of had a nice idea. They're like, hey, do you guys ever answer questions on the show? And we're like, oh, we haven't, but yeah, that'd be fun. So here's a couple of questions that were sent to us from our listener, Jovan, and he had three questions for us. So uh, his first question was, what do you guys think of Nintendo's music uh, for the Wii U generation? Has it rebounded from the somewhat uninspired efforts from a few years back? Um, I wonder if he means kind of, uh, you know, some of the presentational kind of maybe laziness that we got in the GameCube and some of the Wii era. Uh, Will, do you want to kind of talk about your thoughts on what we've heard so far in the Wii U generation? Yeah, I mean, the jury's still out for me. Uh, I think there there's good and bad. There's a lot of strides being made by Nintendo in terms of presentation um, a willingness to utilize real musicians and real performers mm-hmm. um, which is great to see and kind of catching up with I guess where everyone else has been I think that's the biggest thing to talk about I don't think the music was bad by any means of the GameCube era or definitely not from the Wii era but presentationally is what was lacking Right. I, I think that's though the other side for me is that uh, though that's improving I, I, I do get the sense that at least the way it feels right now is that you know their greatest years are past hmm. um and i i think you know some of the best melodies uh came from games on the wii and gamecube era i mean something like twilight princess and mario galaxy i mean they're among nintendo's greatest soundtracks and there hasn't been anything even close yeah, so- to that caliber on the wii u in my opinion I know what you're getting at, Jovan, with your question. I I would kind of agree with Will that in some ways um, I would agree with you that, you know, as far as having an exciting sounding soundtrack with real instruments, it does feel like it has rebounded uh, and it feels like it's a really exciting place. I will say I will agree with Will, though, that like it doesn't necessarily mean you're hearing more inspired melodies nowadays. And for me, I guess the one thing I will say about the Wii U generation musically is Everything I've heard, I've loved for the most part. You know, the big stuff, the Yoshi's Woolly Worlds, the 3D Worlds, Mario Kart 8, uh, Tropical Freeze. I just need more of it. I need more games that are getting me excited. And I feel like I wait months and months and months, and then I get something like Woolly World, which excites me. And then I have to wait six more months for the next thing to excite me. Well, I think the other thing to me is like a lot of these soundtracks are great on these, like this warped Nintendo standard <laughs> that I have of True. just kind of like, oh, well that's good they're trying you know it's like I, I shouldn't be that impressed by a soundtrack utilizing real musicians and I mean I, I think part of it is just like I've given Nintendo a pass because they've consistently you know brought their A game and mm-hmm. they're one of the only you know teams really consistently writing great melodies and writing in the traditional style video of game music. video yeah, game yeah well music. his next question here is uh, did Carl finally play Ocarina of Time <laughs> no uh I mean, as I've mentioned before, I've tried to play that game. I've started that game probably like five times. And, you know, I got the sword. I got the shield. I, you know, you, I had to collect all those rupees. I, I talked to the... I went to the Deku tree. And eventually I just got to a point, like almost every time, where I just... I just not not only did I not know what to do next, I just kind of lost the urge to, like, know what to do. I think I was a little overwhelmed. And it's just not my type of game, to be honest. But I absolutely... 
I respect it so, oh, so much. So you don't like good games. No, I, get it. I again, it reminds me of that Braid thing. I wish I had the brain for it. I just, for whatever reason, I, I, it doesn't motivate me. Like, ooh, I can't wait to do the yeah, next see, thing. See, I, I think you just, you, you need to get more invested in like the story in the characters and Maybe. stuff. Because Zelda, I, it's not, I don't think you need like a higher intelligence. No, it's not about it. intelligence I mean, for this game. It's more of just like the, something about the attention span. Or, yeah, I just, I don't feel quite invested. I mean, I couldn't say enough about the soundtrack, obviously. Obviously, that doesn't even need to be said. Um, in the game, I think it's it's so inventive and it looks wonderful. It holds up surprisingly well today. I, I, I should try try maybe my sixth time of starting this game. Uh, let's see. His last question here is, have you guys gotten a chance to listen to the new Kirby Rainbow Curse soundtrack yet? If so, what are your opinions? Um, yeah, I have checked it out. I haven't really dove in completely. Uh, I should probably do that. From what I've heard, it seems like very heavy on uh, remixed tracks from the past from previous games so a lot of that stuff is cool but i haven't heard a lot of original tracks from from what i've checked out the ones i have heard are nice um and maybe there's maybe there's enough for an episode at some point but from what i've heard it seems like mostly remix stuff um didn't quite wow me as much as is something like uh, kirby's return to dreamland but i mean i i'm a huge kirby fan as you guys know so i definitely was digging it and i'm excited to see uh what comes next in the series so thanks yovan for those questions and that's fun yeah guys every once in a while if you ever you know have some questions feel free to shoot us an email and you know we might uh read some of them on the show every once in a while i think it's kind of a fun new segment yeah, send us your questions and we'll continue to answer them uh do you would you say we're duty bound to answer them no i would not say that but i would say you know if we find a few questions that we think are interesting we'll definitely oblige we'll you probably, we'll answer, probably them. answer them yeah all right. Um, I wonder what's the most controversial question we'll ever get. All right. Now we're going to move on to this week's track of the week. One more track from Adventures of Pip by the wonderful Jake Kaufman. Such a cool track. Doesn't really sound um, like his compositional style, but in some ways it does because it's really on the nose for this particular genre, and he's always able to nail whatever he's going for. So let's take a listen to Sir William the Ghost Knight. so beautiful you guys are listening to sir william the ghost knight from adventures of pip composed by vert 
This is so beautiful, and I was so impressed by particularly this track when I first listened to this, and I was like, wow, that's so cool that he's doing this, and that you can tell he has a reverence for this kind of music, and it's fun when you hear a composer do something that he's not really known for doing, but you can tell like he likes this kind of music. Like He's a fan of film score and of early video game music, and it's just so fun to hear that um, from him. Well, it's very epic. Uh, a, a lot of this music is evoking a lot of the kind of adventure movie cliches, mm-hmm. which is utilizing kind of a Dorian mode or having this ancient medieval kind of sound to it. Um, I was really impressed with the sequencing, particularly with some of the um, orchestral instruments. I'm not quite sure, but it sounds like that uh, first instrument that the melody was played on was a, a chimbasso, which is sort of like a low French horn. Um, and then I also heard, you know, it sounded like there was some like English horn and stuff. But in general, you know, pretty good sounding solo instruments and uh, a nice kind of classic. I really like the sounds that Jake uses for his orchestral sequencing. You know, they don't always sound real, but there's a lot of kind of clarity of attack and everything's very clear. You know, it's a similar thing to like the, the Nintendo Land soundtrack where it's not necessarily going to fool anyone, but it's almost a better approximation than sample libraries that maybe get a little bit closer, but mm-hmm. you know, you maybe also need to have a lot of reverb or, you know, it just ends up sounding really kind of wet and muddy. I know exactly what you mean. Well, now we're going to move on to another kind of repeat offender today. This is uh, back to Danny Baranowski and back to super meat boy. This is, I believe the first track of the first stage theme. This is forest funk. Let's take a listen. super classic uh, this track more than any really reminds me of so many deaths and watching all those meat boys just die over and over again on the replays uh this is forest funk from super meat boy it's kind of that cool combination it feels kind of dark and demonic but also kind of happy like not happy but something about it is happy-go-lucky I, I don't know, Will. Is there is there a good way to... No, I know what yeah. you said. There's kind of like an earnestness to it. I mean, the, the music harmonically is kind of 
dark and really rocking, but as far as the instrument choices, there is just a smidge of whimsy. Um, I, I definitely hear what it you're saying. It feels indie. It just really feels like an indie track to me. <laughs> no, but uh, <laughs> what 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 I kind of enjoy about this is that repeated bass line. It's really classic, um, but I also like how it starts with that kind of dirty synth bass sound, but in a couple points it's doubled with sort of power chords and guitar. You know what my favorite part of the track is, is on the right channel, um, you get this really cool synth lead doing the way we do, way we do, way we do, those kind of um, yeah. <laughs> diminished chords. Super cool. Yeah, sometimes the, yeah, they sound like uh, minor major six chords mm-hmm. or something. Beautiful. Like, just really kind of interesting harmonies. Again, yeah, it's a very kind of dark harmonic language, but with these kind of sweet little spacey synthesizers. Yeah, I think when I first, sort of a complex when I first heard tone. the track, I maybe had a little bit of um, animosity. I was like, oh, this isn't funk. You know, he's calling it forest funk, but that's just what people say, kind of like the Donkey Kong Country tradition of you just have alliteration. It doesn't matter what the genre is, sure. you know, like it'll be like, um, you know, waltz in the woods even if it's not a waltz it doesn't matter it's just you need alliteration well i think the interesting thing about super meat boy is its music doesn't function like a lot of platforms like you think of super mario brothers the music is fitting a specific emotional tone and then when you die it cues that Mm -hmm. music and then you start over again but this music plays continuously and you die and the music still that's a great idea because you die so much well and it's kind of like a lot of you know i remember a lot there were a lot of like online uh you know mini kind of games that you could play with a similar style where they'd just be having a one loopable track going on in the background and I think for a piece of music like that it needs to satisfy a different function because your player is going to be succeeding and dying and all kinds of things over one score so it can't be too optimistic otherwise I think it would end up getting a little bit infuriating it has this kind of ambivalence to it um, which is just kind of the nature of its function in the game well now we're going to move on to you know I stand corrected actually this is the oldest game, I believe, on the playlist. It's 2008. This is World of Goo, a great game that I played on the Wii. Uh, had a wonderful time with it. Uh, you know, you kind of have to make... I love the art style of this game. Yeah, everybody, I'm sure a lot of you are familiar. You have to make, you know, these bridges using balls of goo and whatnot. Uh, soundtrack is really cool. This is the opening of the game. It's called Beginning, composed by Kyle Gabler. Let's take a listen.
We just heard some of those friendly goos at the end. This is Beginning from World of Goo by Kyle Gabler. Really good job of nailing some of those cliches that we get in a lot of film and video game music. Uh, something kind of Danny Elfman-esque, I guess, is the easiest way to describe it. Uh, super good, though. Will, what do you think about this soundtrack? Yeah, I, I really like it. It definitely reminds me of Danny Elfman. Um, really kind of that fun, demonic playfulness. Something like Beetlejuice comes to mm -hmm. mind. Um, yeah, I think it's wonderful. Super good. Well, guys, we're going to move on to another track from Undertale. This is the title theme. The track is called Undertale, and this is one that uses real instruments. Um, let's take a listen to this track by Toby Fox. Here we go. That is so beautiful. I'm glad we played two tracks because both of them kind of represent a different facet of the soundtrack. Oh my gosh, really wonderful. This track features guitar by Stephanie McIntyre. Uh, the piano and guitar mixture is super good, not just the difference in those those instruments, but what they're playing, you know, having the really kind of rhythmic syncopated guitar with the really simple long sustained piano. Well, what are your thoughts on the, the melody that the piano's playing? Well, you gotta love a melody that starts with an octave leap. Uh, I mean, I'm I'm always reminded of Tara's theme from Gone with the Wind by ah, Max Steiner. Interesting. Um, yeah, yeah, da da. But or uh, somewhere I, mean, over I the love rainbow. that that piano melody. I mean, yeah, oh yeah, somewhere over the rainbow again. Uh, it, it's it's so classic. I mean, w what a wonderful sequence of notes. I'm just really drawn to yeah, dun dun. Dun, dun, dun. It's great. I mean, there's so many large leaps in there. When I listen to this so track, it's so precise and really tasty. Guess who it reminded me of? It reminded me of you. It reminded me of a melody you would have written, actually. That little that part you were you were just singing there. Yeah, I could hear that. I mean, just uh, something that I spent a lot of time just Crafting, tinkering with. Yeah. Um, and also, I think kind of what probably reminds you of me is 
uh, octaves uh, in the piano, and then that kind of delay mm. um, that I, I definitely use a lot in uh, Child of the Chozo. Cool. Well, now we're going to move on to the last track. This is from Boot Hill Heroes, another game, lesser-known game by Jay Kaufman. And this is worthy to play because... Um, he actually made this soundtrack using SNES samples, and I can guarantee you he didn't do it the the kind of hard way that we did. He probably actually used the SPC 700, probably found a way to use that. Uh, so yeah, this is an, a new SNES soundtrack, really, uh, from Jay Kaufman. Obviously, after you know he he was able to add effects and make it sound a little bit more lush than you probably could on the SNES. But really cool stuff here. Let's take a listen to a track called Doc's Theme: The Mysterious Stranger from Boot Hill Heroes. Guys, thanks so much for joining us. We had a wonderful time exploring the music of modern indie games. Thanks, Craig, and also Claire for this suggestion. And yeah, just another reminder, if you head on over to Patreon, if you feel like, you know, supporting us, one of the one of the rewards for uh, one of the tiers is that you get to suggest an episode that we have to do. So yeah, we actually have quite a few of them already lined up in the schedule, so really cool i gotta say that uh, that undertale track that last one that we That's just played to was such a such a treat for me that might have been um the the gem of the day in my opinion absolutely really cool stuff we're gonna play you guys out with a track from the game papers please which is a really interesting game where you have to decide uh who to let across the border into this um you know fictional country it's by lucas pope i think you're yeah you work at like a sort of like an ellis island and mm-hmm. you're allowing people to come in and out it's really sounds like a wonderful emotional kind of game yeah so this is uh lucas pope and it's a really interesting track this is the main theme we'll leave you guys with this we're really excited about next week's episode we have a really exciting one so stick with us once again absolutely and guys feel free to keep shooting us questions that was really fun we enjoyed answering that today yeah thanks yovan for those you know spice things up a little bit absolutely well my name is carl Brueggemann, and i'm his brother will Brueggemann. have a great week everybody peace out 